0: Right, praise the Lord. Wow, what a powerful worship time, amen? Amen. The Lord preparing our hearts. Thank you, worship team. Uh, Prepare our hearts, prepare our homes. Did you get that first song? Make ready your heart, make ready your home, make ready the people of God. Hey, God's making us ready, amen? Amen. Is anybody getting ready? What are we getting ready for? Bring the kingdom of heaven to this city and this region, Amen. Amen to raise up other radical passionate aggressive lovers of God. Amen I'm glad you're here Father, we're just gonna pray father in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the power of the conviction of your spirit today to break into our hearts And God for you to do something where you break the chains the chains that I can't break and the chains that your people can't break but you break chains And I thank you today that you're a chain breaker. You're here to break off strongholds. You're here today, God, to set us free. So Lord, I just thank you. We want to cooperate with your spirit today and we just say yes and amen to you. So Lord be with us today and God let this word just begin to to work on our hearts for the glory of God. We thank you for it in Jesus name. And Everybody said amen. Amen. I'm gonna land the plane on this series. Uh, We're going to be talking about families still continuing uh, through the next month or so. But we've been talking about how healthy families do not just happen and that healthy families are really created. And they're created by when we yield ourselves to God and we allow Him to direct our path. Amen. And so we've been talking about what are the things that healthy families do. And so we're going to continue on that. I'm going to give some more things. But... This message kind of um, came out of a prophetic word that was spoken in January um, out at Kansas City. And uh, I just want to continue to reemphasize that prophetic word because God was speaking nationally to the body of Christ at, at large at this One Thing conference where thousands of people came. And in that prophetic time, the Lord spoke. And again, he said he, said he was not going to tolerate the dysfunctions of our families any longer he wasn't going to tolerate the dysfunctions of our relationships any longer and that he was going to release a grace how many believe that grace is powerful he's going to release a grace and that's his 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 his, his, his empowerment his 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 ability is going to be released to us to break off these dysfunctions if we'll cooperate with it and so we've been talking about Allowing God into the dysfunction of our lives the dysfunction of our family relationships the dysfunction of the things in our life and I talked about how Dysfunction literally is when we the the cause of dysfunction is two things and I'm going to repeat them again It's bad social practices and bad behavior patterns. Those two things cause the dysfunction we see in our families Those two things cause the dysfunction in our relationships. And God's saying, "Mm -mm, no longer. I'm going to bring health to your practices. I'm going to bring health to your behaviors. I'm going to bring something to your life that's going to shatter shatter the dysfunction of your family. And God is doing that. I've had some testimonies of some people who are really taking this message serious. And I am praising God. He's changing families. And I want to encourage you, if you've not put these things into practice that we've been talking about, get the podcast, start listening to them, allow the Spirit of God to convict you on the areas that He's wanting to convict you on, and let's do something about it as a family. Amen? So that's where we are. So in review, I just want to review briefly and then get into kind of the last three principles because we've been talking about what are the practices, what are the principles that healthy families do? What is it that make families healthy and so we've been talking about these are the practices these are the principles that if you'll apply them to your family proof i mean statistics show you will have a healthy family literally and this is statistically proven so here are the seven we've already talked about in the last three messages Healthy families practice and share a spiritual commitment. The fear of the Lord is what drives healthy families, that they are submitting to the Lordship of someone higher than themselves, and they're yielding to His ways, and they're committed. They're committed spiritually together. Number two, healthy families are attuned and care for the needs of the family. They they literally are aware of needs in their family and their church family, and they are attuned to that, and they care for the needs of the family. Healthy families encourage and explore emotions and I went into depth that you can healthy families You can't shut off the emotions actually the emotions and feelings are leading you to the fire They're the smoke and sometimes the smoke gets really intense in families, right? But the feelings and emotions they actually lead us to what's going on inside and healthy families actually explore those feelings and emotions until instead of making you shut them down we actually explore those emotions and find out what's going on in the inside so that we can help meet the need of each other in the family but feelings and emotions are explored and they're encouraged number four healthy families repair damage to their relationships I, I like to call that, they, they, they clean up their messes when they make each other mad, when they honk each other off, when they hurt each other. They are quick to do Matthew 18, going to each other in love and, and bringing what you have done or what has happened and, 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 and they walk that out. So they clean their messes up. And number five, They are they are devoted to each other and encourage each other in the middle of a trial or temptation Literally when I'm in a trial or you're in a trial or temptation We are there and we're devoted to help walk each other through crazy trials and temptations And we've all got them don't we number six healthy families build each other up with their words life and death is in the power of the tongue and we can either produce life all we can do is produce death. And I shared an example last week of my own son of how I said I could I could say, quit being a drama king, and what am I doing? I'm shaming him for being who he is. And so that's that's uh, we build each other up with our words and then number seven healthy families spend quality time together and I will say on that one I want to put a plug go to our Facebook page my wife did a great blog this week that was really really good and she gave you a free family fun night with your kids she talked about how you can take a a fun time with your family and create a game that actually they learn it was a really good blog if you haven't read that yet you really need to go do that because that's one of the ways she gave you a good example of great family time with your children and so today we're going to hit number eight are you guys ready for number eight if you're taking notes which i hope you do and i hope you apply these things later number eight is this healthy families respect and trust each other wow healthy families respect and trust each other trust in our culture is really at an all-time low. Do you guys realize that yeah. respect in our culture, as at an all-time low. There is no respect for teachers. There's no respect for authority in our culture. There is no trust in our culture. People live skeptical. They, uh, I'll wait and see, approach to life. But in a healthy family, respect and trusting each other is a key component to a healthy family. And the way that trust is built in families is mutual respect in the home between mom and dad. Mutual respect, mutual honor is what builds trust in a home. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Because you show me a home where there's not mutual respect and mutual trust, and I will show you children who don't show respect and don't show trust. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. But we are a house who believes in God's principles. Amen? And so we are changing that because we don't wanna cooperate with a spirit of fear and torment, but we want what God wants for our families. Can I have an amen on that? So, healthy families, what is respect? What is trust? I wanna just dive into, because again, remember, dysfunction comes out of bad principles and bad behavior. Again, this whole message has been about God's principles and God's behavior. If I, if, I, if I know what God wants and what I'm supposed to believe, it will affect my behavior. The greatest spiritual warfare you can do in your family and in your life is to change what you think. Because if I change what I believe, it will change my behavior. And so what is it that trust and respect really, really is? And so I put a definition up here for respect. Because this is what we need in our husbands and wives. This is what we need with our children. This is what we need in our home, our church family. We need people to honor and respect. It's a principle of God's word. Respect is a principle of God's word. Okay, are you with me? These are the healthy principles. These are the things that we have to work in our life and we have to get to a place. Respect is this high esteem for a person. Respect is this high sense of worth or excellence. The Greek word here means high price, highly valued, or to be honored. Wow, what's that like in your home? Really? Is there a high honor that you keep for your spouse? A high respect, a high high sense of worth, a highly val- valued, or are you looking at, it, at their past, his past, or her past, and going, man, there ain't nothing good about them. price I Highly value my wife. I highly value my children. I highly value the people at New Covenant Worship Center I honor them. I respect them. I put them first I honor them because I see the good and what God has made them to be Rather than all the junk because you know what guys there's not a person in this house. that doesn't have dysfunction There's not a person in this house that doesn't have some junk around the around their trunk And if you look at the junk, you're going to get sadly discouraged all the time. And I know, I've I've looked at the junk in everybody's trunk. You've looked at the junk in my trunk. And what that does is that creates disrespect. That creates dishonor if I focus on that. But the kingdom of heaven says, I want you to walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. I want you to look at people through the spirit and not the flesh. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't help each other through the trial or the temptation. We might go, and I might go over here to Hannah and say, Hannah, do you realize how dishonoring you're being of your parents? Now, she's not doing this, and I didn't set up. This is a rabbit trail. But literally, I might go to her and say, man, I just really seen how you talked to your dad today. Honey, what's going on? And I'm going to begin to explore her emotions. I'm going to begin to ask her questions. What's going on, sweetie? I love you, and I know that's not who you are. And so it's not that we don't see the junk. It's not that we don't do something about the junk because when we're devoted to each other, we want to help each other out of the junk. Right, 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 right? Yeah. We've got to help each other out of the junk. So I'm going to go to her and I'm going to say, babe, I love you. What's going on? There's something going on here and here and I want to help you. That's different than me judging her, pointing the finger, telling her, you know, all, that she's whatever. Right, right? Are you with me? And so this thing of trust and this thing of highly esteeming, we've got to see each other differently. And so we ha- that's the principle of God's Word. Those are the principles that, that move us from the bad principles that bring us dysfunction to moving to the good principles that lead to great behavior that actually makes a house healthy, makes a church healthy, makes a fam- family healthy. And that's what you've got to go to because again the fear of the Lord is what is informing our decisions It's the fear of the Lord honoring his name I'm going to respect because of a a mutual respect because God has told me to God has said in his word follow me Follow the way I have done it and that's what we are even today our worship is was about following God and and Listening to him and that's what respect is is all about and we have to put people at a high honor what is trust trust is to rely on the integrity strength or ability of a person to trust faith is another word for trust to have a strong confidence or reliance upon someone ha what's that look like in your family do you guys have trust your family do you have a strong confidence it's like well you know i don't don't know whether go go there or not or not but yes i'm going to go there uh, I love going there. I, I, yeah, I'm going there. So, praise God. So, Karen and I, uh, Joel had met a, a girl, as many of you guys know, and it's like, wow, he's moving fast, which seems like my boys do. But at any rate, <laughs> don't know her, haven't met her, but it's the relationship's advancing. And so, there is a level of fear. Okay. And it's like, no, even the song we sang today, I trust my son hears from heaven beyond that i trust in god's my confidence is in his faithfulness my confidence is in god's faithfulness that he will hijack that relationship if it's not god i I believe that i really believe that but i'm tested in that belief Otherwise, I would fall into control. I would call, fall into manipulation. I would fall into worry that would then cause dysfunction in my family. Are you following the path? Yeah. And God says, Trust me, I'm confident. More in God's ability to keep me on the path than I am in my own ability to keep me on the path Therefore I transfer that confidence in my children and my church family. I am confident if you're pursuing God You will get it You will it may take you three weeks. It may take you three months It may take you three years dear God. I hope it doesn't take 30, but But if it takes 30, I'm going to love you through the 30, but I may whip you a few times. No But I have a trust and my confidence is in God's faithfulness Therefore I can rest and trust my kids my family my church family and for God to move in that situation Can I have an amen? so trust I want to go a little further with trust today and i want to talk about some things um, if you got your bibles and you want to turn to ephesians chapter 5 we're going to go into some of the principles of god's word and what he talks about what healthy families should do and we're going to read um, i think it's chapter 5 verses uh, 21 through maybe 28 i can't remember but we're going to but before i go to that scripture i want to read something to you At the very, very beginning of chapter 5, verse 1, Paul does this wonderful job, because what Paul's doing is Paul is teaching the body of Christ. He's teaching them the principles that they need to apply in their life. And so this is a really important chapter. Ephesians is an important book if you want to learn about what are the principles of God when it comes to the family. And so Paul, and I'm assuming something today, I'm assuming that everyone in this room that you love God or you're wanting to love God or you wouldn't be here. You, I'm assuming that you're wanting to follow God or you're in the process of wanting to follow God. And if you're here today and you've not made that commitment to follow the Lordship of Christ, we want to help you today. And that's, that, that'll be later today. If you're here and, that, and that, there's something going on in your heart where the conviction of God, we are going to have a time of prayer later. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, not i'm not going to put it up there i want you just to hear the admonishment of paul the apostle paul as he shares to the ephesus church listen to what he says he says follow god's example everybody say that with me follow god's example again follow god's example we are followers of christ we are disciples Disciplined learners of Christ. Follow God's example. And then he goes there he says, therefore, since you are being followers of Christ, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We, again, are imagers. We are to walk in his likeness. We are followers of Christ. I am so thankful you are a follower of Christ. And it is so much easier, I will say easier, to follow or to trust someone that has been a follower of Christ. It is so much easier to respect and to trust someone who is being a follower of Christ, that there is someone else they're submitting their life to and yielding their life to other than themselves. I don't have confidence in the world's trust. I don't have confidence in the world that the world will be trustable or that the world is respectable because they don't live by the same standards as the Word of God. But it's easier in the house of God if we're going to be image bearers, man, trust should be a good thing. Trust should be an easy thing, right? And so Paul gives this instruction to Christian families on how to follow Christ. And we're going to read this out of Ephesians 5, 21, 30. But again, Paul's assuming you're a follower of Christ. And so if you're a follower, then he says, this is what you need to do. These are the instructions for Christian households. Everybody say, I'm a Christian household. I'm a follower of Christ and this is what I do see again these are the healthy principles these are the healthy principles that destroy dysfunction okay so here we go Ephesians 21 if you'll advance that guys or maybe I should there we go Now I want you just to read the first the first line and we're gonna stop submit to one another out of reverence for Christ stop We've all known the scripture, the next one. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And that is a truth, but I want to stop right there first. What does it say? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There is a mutual submission that should happen in the home. Husbands and wives, children, One to another, in the church, there should be this phrase that says submit to one another. Now that word there, to be submissive, I don't think I put the definition, no I didn't, good. The word, ah, This really, I I even, hypotasso, everybody say Hippotasso. Right, hippotasso. (laughs) It's not where we get the word hippopotamus or anything like that. (laughs) Hippotasso. To be submissive literally means to subordinate, to yield. Now, the best way that the Lord has ever showed this to me, and I don't know, I may maybe a little corny, but man, I know I've shared this before, but literally, if we're to submit and yield and subordinate to one another to husbands and wives. It's not, it's a mutual submission. It's not just that the wife has to submit to me, but I submit to her. I yield back to her. I mutually give respect and honor back to her, and she mutually gives it back to me. That's the kingdom. Now, I know that's not what goes on in a lot of relationships. I'm not stupid. I wasn't born last night. I was born at night, but not last night. But that word literally in the Greek means to be or become inclined. I didn't put it up there. To be or become inclined or willing to submit to orders or wishes of others or sowing such inclination to do so. Now here's where I want to go before we even read the scripture of where we're supposed to and how we are supposed to live as Christians. It's that I hold my wife my children, my church family, people in general, I hold them in such high value and ha- such high honor that I'm willing to submit and listen to their wishes. I'm willing to listen to their concerns. I'm willing to listen to their needs. I'm willing to put them first before myself and seek to understand and to know. That's Bible. Hear me, that's Bible. But most people are defending their rights. Most people are defending themselves. They're protecting themselves rather than giving themselves away. And God says, no, I want you to follow my example. Did Christ preserve his life or did he give it away? Did he self-protect? No, he gave it all. And so there's this mutual submission to one another out of reverence to christ and so now we'll read the scripture that says wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything and then to husbands This is what healthy families do. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed, they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are all members of His body. I don't know if I put this, I didn't put it up there. The other thing I want to point out, so we we talk about wives submitting to their husbands, subordinating to them, yielding to their wishes, their desires, their needs, but also because Paul put that in the scripture on the very first verse before that, there should be a mutual submission back to the husband and the husband to the wife. Are we clear on that? That is a principle that we need to live by as Christians. If you as a healthy family will submit to the lordship of his word right there, and you will mutually submit one to another, you're going to have a healthy family. And I realize the process of getting there, I'm into this 32 years. I've been married, going to be 33 this year. Yeah, she has put up with a lot of submitting. (laughs) (laughs) But I promise you, I promise you, I do live it at home. And there is a mutual submission one to another that is beautiful within our marriage that is amazing. It is amazing what I have with my wife. It is precious. And it creates godly offspring. That's why God said in Malachi to come back to the wife of your youth and to love her and to cherish her. Because he wants to produce godly offspring from us. He wants to produce a family. He wants to create a healthy family in your family. And in this house. And so this whole thing of loving your wife, that there in the Greek means to have a strong, hear this men, non-sexual affection and love for a person and their good as understood by God's moral character. Especially characterized, here's the big one, the loving your wives, especially characterized by a willing forfeiture of your rights and your privileges. Literally, if I'm to walk in love, I have to be willing to forfeit my rights, my privileges, to put my wife first. And for my wife to put me first. And by doing so, we're putting him first. If I will put her needs before my own and she will put my needs before her own. And again, this is tied. Now, one of the things that's important to realize, this is tied to not just making each other happy. This is tied to loving well means it's characterized by I'm, I'm willing to give up my privileges and my rights, but it's based upon God's holy word what I know is best for my wife. There are times where I push my wife and I I challenge her to come out of some things that maybe fear would try to get her to do. And and, and so I'm actually challenging her out of love for her, what's best for her, based upon what God's word says. I'm challenging her out of that. But it's still through submission. It's still through questions. It's still through not making statements, but it's asking her, what's God doing in your heart? Are you with me? This is so important, guys, to get this. That I will put her needs before my own based upon God's word. And meeting other needs before your own is how trust is formed. We'll say that again. Meeting others' needs before your own is how trust is formed. And when husbands and wives mutually respect and honor each other above themselves, trust is formed in the family. And when trust is formed, (laughs) guess what happens with our children? We do that around our children as well. We build trust and respect within the children. And I say if kids don't respect you, it's because you're not modeling it. Because healthy families respect and trust each other. Now, psychologists have made some great breakthroughs in their study of trust. And I'm going to put up here Danny Silk's Trust cycle, which I think is so important that we understand how trust is formed in our homes and in our church family. This is the trust cycle. And here's here's where this is how trust is built. And uh, I can't remember how to use the pointer. Okay, you see that top thing where it says need? If my wife comes to me and she says that she has a need or... It, it, I have and and she expresses the need is expressed Then I have the opportunity to respond to the need right and if I respond to the need and the need gets satisfied She gets comforted and guess what it builds trust in me How about a little baby? This is the, the, the example that Danny silk uses a little baby when they're little, this is how trust begins to form for healthy relationships within our children. A need is expressed. Wah, 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 wah. And you gotta figure out mom and dad, is it pee poop or do they not feel well, right? Or, or hungry. Hangry, yeah. yeah, there was another one. Wah, wah, wah. They're crying, there's a need, and we have to discern what is the need. Unfortunately they can't talk like a like a well, some spouses can't talk either. But at any rate <laughs> Well, what I should say some spouses can't express their need But the baby can't express this need and we got to figure out the need and when we the need is expressed by the baby And we respond to that baby the need is satisfied the baby's comforted and guess what trust is starting to be Formed in the child's life, but when that child does not get that and the child gets neglect guess what's already happening? already the mistrust cycle is starting to work in the child and You do that in your marriage? And your your wife expresses needs or your husband expresses needs and those needs go unmet all of a sudden. I don't trust you to love me I don't trust you. That's called the mistrust cycle And so I have a need I express the need and there's no response to the need my need is left Unsatisfied and I'm not comforted and therefore mistrust cycle starts but healthy families create trust and that trust Yes, it's mutual respect and honor and putting each other's first is, is, is the principle that you have to live by in order to meet the need. See, if, if, if the principle of God's word is I put others before myself, I am willing to, to, to deprive myself of rights and privileges in order to meet the needs of other people. That's the godly principle. If I live by that principle, I will automatically build trust in, my, in the people around me. They will trust me. And so in our culture, there's a lot of needs that aren't going met. Isn't that true? And because there's so many needs in our culture that are not being met, trust it is at a low, all-time low. I mean, I could probably survey this group and say, how many of you trust our politicians? How many of you trust teachers? How many of you trust pastors? How many of you trust your spouse? I was watching Family Feud the other day and 50% of marriages are suspicious of their spouse cheating on them. 50%? Now, Family Feud is not a documented statistic. (laughs) I realize that. So I'm not going to put a lot of weight in that, but we got a problem in Houston when trust is not there. Can I have an amen on that? And here's the deal with the trust cycle. The, t- the trust cycle can be broken at any time here's what i find in most families and i see it especially yeah, i shouldn't say that i see it, i think i see it more with women but i think it's there for men it's just men complain about it versus doing it the right way so see what you think after i share this so trust is broken down in our relationships Because we're not good at expressing our needs We're not good at verbalizing or even maybe comprehending what need I have And so many women love tongues and interpretation of tongues And what I mean by that is you're hoping that your husband gets a clue and he interprets through your withdrawal and and through your actions he begins to interpret through tongues and interpretation, what your need is. Because I will feel loved a whole lot more if he figures it out rather than me having to share what my need is. I'm sure no one smoked that pipe in here, right? Mind readers. But true vulnerability is when I go to you and I express my need without pointing fingers. Without making judgment. Okay, and so the other thing so when the trust cycle breaks down number one is if I don't express the need properly But number two if the person i'm expressing the need to doesn't respond to it Wow, you want to you want to see a disaster in a relationship You express the need and then you don't do anything about it. How do you think they make that your spouse feel? How about if I express the need here in the church? We need to, this stuff to, and nobody else takes care of the need It erodes trust are you with me? Don't want to overdo it. So, here's an example of how to communicate a need. And I'm using this need because statistics say that 80% of divorces happen around money, finances. So, here is a way you could express your need I feel hurt, dismissed, and not cared for. When I feel you are ignoring my need to be on a budget and to feel sina- financially secure. I'm gonna repeat that. I feel hurt, I feel dismissed, and I don't feel cared for when I feel you're ignoring my need to be on a budget and to feel financial security. Here's how it normally is communicated. You don't care about me because you ignore my needs. you always put me last and you spend money however you want You never want to save money (laughs) The first one expresses my feelings and emotions without casting blame I'm feeling I feel dis. I feel disconnected from you I feel hurt. I feel uh, that I'm not cared for See the difference when I express the need, you've got to think about how you're expressing your need, if you're even expressing it, <laughs> before trust to be formed. So i got to keep moving on that. So the first response is the way God wants us to do it. Husbands and wives, your home becomes a safe place, and intimacy is created when two people can express their needs and consistently complete this trust cycle. When you consistently, over 32 or 33 years or six months or two years, or whatever your marriage is, when you consistently... Complete the trust cycle. Your faith and your trust and your respect will go off the roof, out of, the, out of sight. You will be amazed at what will happen in your family. And so, my question to you is, is how is your family doing with trust and respect for one another in the family? Really, seriously, how is your family doing? What is the trust level in your home? How is the complaining level in your home? Is your home a safe place to express needs? Or as soon as the need comes, you go, what do you want now? Really? Oh. I've done it. That's why I know can preach it. (laughs) Yes, dear. Don't have to say you don't want to do it. It was the rolling of the eyes. Karen will testify, it has happened in 32 years, maybe once, maybe twice. (coughs) (laughs) But I've learned to, when she has a need or she needs help with something, I've learned to ask her, when do you want that done by? Oh, now, okay. I will stop what I'm doing and I will take care of you. Because I give up my privileges and my rights Because I highly esteem and highly value. So I will. I'll quit watching the TV. I'll quit studying. I'll quit doing what I'm doing. I'll quit mowing the yard. I'll whatever. Because I highly esteem and value her. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. She says I'm batting about 80%. We'll put it that way. Right. Right. She said so all could hear I would never interrupt your study Because she would honor me and that is it is what she'll she'll do She'll a lot of times. She'll say when you have time When you have time if you could help me with this And I say you got it now The key is you got to remember that integrity says I committed to that But if you just go about your day, and you forget what you committed to Guess what you've just broken the trust cycle You've just broken the trust cycle, and you have to start all over again. But there's help, right? So what's the spirit of God wanting to convict you of? Are you trustable? Do you value and honor and respect? Because really, you need to write some of these things down. Where is God saying, oop, there needs to be change? Oop, there's dysfunction in our family right there. Because later in the service, we're going to do something about this, guys. We're going to break some chains. We're going to break some things off. Okay, you still with me? I'm going to keep moving because I'm going to run out of time fast if I don't keep moving. So we got that. There's mistrust cycle. Trust. Healthy families trust and respect each other. Number nine. Healthy families make room for mistakes and failures. Everybody say glory. (laughs) Healthy families make room for mistakes and failures. I have been the poster child of not doing this. When my children were young, Don't make mistakes. Because I grew up in a critical home and I grew up in a home where you had to do everything perfect. And by golly, if you didn't do it perfect, you felt like a fool and you were belittled until you got it right. Anybody else been in that kind of home? And so I learned some really hard ways on this one to to, to get here to mistakes. And uh, Abraham has reminded me several times. the, The kids were down and we built a house out on 103. And the kids were playing down in the basement. And uh, there was some unfinished drywall that went underneath <coughs> underneath the steps in the basement. And Joel was trying to climb up that drywall, and the rubber drywall broke. Mistake, accident, no big deal. All replaceable, but it was such a big deal to me. God forgive me. Anger immediately. Ah, I don't even know what I said. If it wasn't for Abraham telling me about it, I would have forgot all about it. I said, I really did that? Oh yeah, Dad, you did it. (laughs) Really? Did the fangs come out? Oh no, more than the fangs. A broken piece of stinking drywall. Unfinished drywall. My place wasn't a safe place to make mistakes and failures. And I'm still working through this one. Everyone should have a freedom to fail or to be wrong without shaming, blaming, or guilting, or being made fun of. Everyone is allowed to have faults and weaknesses without fear of rejection, condemnation, or punishment. In a grace-based culture, failure is kept in perspective so that the members of the family have enough confidence to recover, grow, achieve, and mature in their life. See, within a true grace-filled culture, within healthy families, healthy families realize that mistakes and failure are actually the process of learning. And here's where we have to do a better job in, in the church and in our families. We have got to allow healthy, minor mistakes at a young age so that when they're older, they have an understanding of how to make decisions. I pulled something off the internet from a lady named Michelle Casky who is a homeschoolyourboys.com kind of girl and she has some really really good things and I'm going to put it up here. Here are four benefits for mal- for allowing your child to make mistakes that I thought were powerful and I stole them. <laughs> and I put the reference down at the bottom left Michelle Casky if you want to look her up. The four benefits of allowing your kids to make mistakes. It builds self-confidence, builds coping skills, learning to take responsibility, and developing wisdom. The first one, self-confidence, and this is what I've seen in my own children. Kids develop a sense of self-confidence when they're allowed to make decisions on their own. Now, I'm not talking about decisions when a kid's nine years old and he has free reign to a cell phone and he can do whatever he wants. That's not the kind of decisions that you allow your children to make. Can I have an amen on that? Dear God, there's kids with cell phones that shouldn't have cell phones. That's not a decision you let your children make. And I think Tom's going to share some of that in some messages coming up on what are healthy parameters for families. But your kids need to have a sense of making decisions on their own. When they're young, they should be allowed to make minor decisions on their own. Allow them to figure out how to do it rather than always jumping in immediately and taking over and doing it for them. I see so many helicopter parents that they do it all for their children and they never allow this to actually take place. They are going to create wimps. In their children they're going to create kids who are insecure they're going to create kids who don't know how to make a good decision because you've made all the decisions for them and then when they get 18 and you complain about your children because they don't make a good decision hello Houston you've created it because you've made all the decisions you've taken all the the mistakes away and you have made everything perfect for your little junior And then you got the other side where they let kids make all their decisions. And that's nuts, even too. We got to let kids make mistakes. I'll never forget when our, my kids were little, we had this little 80 motorcycle. It was a little, just a little motorcycle, and Joel and Abe would ride the daylights out of it. And um, we get to Canada, and Abe's way too big for the, the motorcycle. And So, you know, they quit riding it. So we get to Canada and one of our neighbors down a few cabins down they have these big honking dirt bikes and uh, Okay, here comes the opportunity for Abraham to fail. He wants to ride that big bike And I look at him said yep, you can do it. I have all the confidence in you in the world get on that thing I can yeah, if that's what you want to do, is that the decision you want to make? Yeah, he goes off on the dirt bike with somebody else oh, and <laughs> ".Protect him, oh God." <laughs> because even a mistake on a motorcycle, yeah, it could have a consequence. But it built his confidence. "I can do this, Dad. You believe in me." He turned the bike around, laid it over a little bit, got back on the bike and came back. I said, man, dad, that was fun. <laughs> of course, then he wanted to spend money to buy one. I said, well, better start saving. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to let the kids make decisions, amen? And it builds their confidence. It builds coping skills. Kids develop many important skills in their life as they are allowed to go through difficult situations. And if we as parents don't let them go through difficult situations, we never teach them how to cope. They learn how to handle negative emotions and build self-control and how to apologize and many other important things when it comes to relational skills when we allow them to make decisions and we allow them to make mistakes and to fail but if you come and rescue your child every time they make a mistake and every time they fail all the question you need to say is what do you think you need to do that's as simple as it gets what are you gonna do but most parents they come in and they take over the situation And they take care of it for them instead of allowing the child to cope and to learn how to deal with it. If you have a problem with the kids or they're having problems being bullied at school, okay, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? Don't take over for them. Could I have an amen? Number three was they learn to take responsibility. When kids are allowed to make some of their own decisions, they will also have the opportunity to deal with the consequences. (laughs) When they're little and they're making decisions and there's a consequence for the failure or the mistake, it's so much easier when they're this high and this high and this high. But when they come this high and they've never learned it, when they are this high and this high, guess what happens? Their whole life falls apart. And you're supporting them at 35. You laugh, it happens. Sometimes they're poor decisions. Will give them the practice learning to take responsibility for their actions sometimes they will make good decisions And this will help them to feel good about themselves and their choices Other times they'll make bad decisions and bad choices and I wish I could literally preach on this whole thing right here for days And I'm just hitting the mountaintops on it Because there's so much dysfunction in our families when it comes to allowing kids to fail and make mistakes the last one is developing wisdom. As our kids are allowed to make some decisions on their own, they will learn from the natural consequences and will become wiser, deci- decisive, dis- wiser in their deci- Wow, wiser in their decision making in the future. We want them to have the freedom to fail while they're living under our care. Did you hear me? We want them to have the freedom to fail and make mistakes while they're under our care. Isn't it greater when they learn in your home? Are you guys with me? Healthy families let their kids make mistakes. So my question is, is it safe to make mistakes and fail in your home? Is there punishment, rejection, condemnation, feeling stupid when we make a mistake in your home? Here's what I really hope that over the course of these three messages, I hope you've been writing things down that the Spirit of God has convict you on because I'm telling you church there's some chains that need to be broken there's some mentality there's some decisions there's some principles that we've been living by that need to be broken and cast off and to, the, today we're going to we're going to have an opportunity to bring those things we've written down those things that God has convicted us of we're going to have an opportunity to break those off today Are you with me So another decision that we made and I won't go there because we're running out of time. Okay, so healthy families make room for mistakes and failure. Number ten, we're going to move to number ten, and this is where we're going to land the plane. This is the, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get this done today. Praise God. Healthy families admit and seek help for their dysfunction. Everybody say it with me. Healthy families admit and seek help for their dysfunction. And I misspelled. Yeah, yeah, there. I didn't misspell. I thought I did for a second. Okay this is the application piece of this message this is the part where we go this is what 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 do we need to do when god highlights certain areas of our family where there's dysfunction when he highlights your anger when he highlights your behavior when he highlights you, you you're not doing some of these things that healthy families do when god convicts us when god puts on the light you know it's like it's like when people first come to church and they first get saved it's like Beautiful thing about God is he convicts you on the first thing he wants you to deal with. Has anybody ever noticed that? He doesn't convict you on quitting smoking, quitting drinking, quitting cussing, uh, quitting pornography, quitting... I mean, he doesn't focus on all five areas. Is that true with God? What God is so gracious on is he goes, man, this is the area I want you to deal with. He begins to convict and we have this opportunity. Am I going to follow Christ or am I not? Am I going to yield this part of my life or not? Am I going to be a follower or not, right? And so what God has done is is this this is the application where the rubber meets the road. What are you guys going to do? Because healthy families admit and they seek help. Everybody say seek help. For their dysfunction. Healthy families are not ashamed or embarrassed to go outside the family to get help. Well, by God, I'm not going to share any my junk with people. Well, you just keep hanging on to that junk then, because it'll stay around. And you'll be repeat, repeating the cycle, and you'll go through the desert over and over and over and over. And you'll be blaming God and, well, this church just done no. I just don't like what this church is doing, man. I just don't feel anything anymore. Yeah, you don't feel anything anymore because you ain't dealing with what God's telling you to deal with. My gosh, if you're not feeling the presence of God here, you've got some pulse problems. <laughs> Healthy families are not afraid to share or discuss their problems and their junk. Healthy families are willing to get vulnerable and humble themselves and ask for help. What are you going to do to seek help for the dysfunction in your life and family? And here's what I want to say. And here's where I want to go today. And I love what Paul did, and I'm going to try to give this the time that it needs. And so we're going to stay here a little longer today because God's going to do something in our hearts. When we have dysfunction, it really does require, you're either going, here's what's going to happen. And I promise you, because I've seen it in my own life. You're either going to humble yourself or you're going to get humiliated. One way or the other, you will deal with the dysfunction in your life. That's just who God is. He loves you enough to not let you stay where you're at. That's what healthy fathers do. And so you will either humble yourself and allow yourself to be broken or an event will happen in your life where you'll be humiliated. And then, and that's the most powerful way to deal with it or the most painful way to deal with it. And I am trying to hear from heaven for our family and our church family. Tom is too and others on leadership. We have an opportunity to cooperate with the Spirit of God or not. And I pray that God has convicted you about some things and some dysfunctions that are in your life. Because really the first step is you making a choice to humble yourself and to allow when the Spirit of God convicts you of your own dysfunction that you move towards God in godly sorrow. That godly sorrow begins to happen in your heart. It began happening in my heart even this morning as I was praying before I came today. And I began to cry. Some things that the Lord was dealing with my own heart where I feel bad about the dysfunction that I've participated in. But godly sorrow is a word called loupe and it's feeling it's it's a condition of feeling bad about your condition <laughs> it's this thing where grief sorrow pain regret there is a sadness that is associated with godly sorrow there's a sadness associated with some wrong done or some disappointment in your life And there's this conviction. It's the conviction of the dysfunction, and that dysfunction causes you. You know, when you see the dysfunction of your family, you see the brokenness of your family, or what, or or where you're falling short as a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter and you see that dysfunction, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God begins to move on us. But what's happened is our conviction has gotten really soft in the house of God and in our culture. We're not convicted of things like we used to be because we're so satisfied. We think we're just okay, but we're not okay. (laughs) And Paul shows us what that looks like. What distress should look like? What godly sorrow should look like? When we start to see what we're doing to our kids, when we see what we're doing to our wife, when we start to see what we're doing to our extended family, because the dysfunction of our families is creating such chaos. It's creating such hurt. It's creating children who don't want to serve God after they leave the house. Or, kids that don't want to serve God when they're in the house because of the dysfunction and that should grieve us and so Paul so graciously step 1 is godly sorrow you feel the pain and Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 7:10 And I want to set the stage here because Paul had written another letter to the Corinthian church and he had opened both barrels on them. And he had corrected them harshly. And after they were corrected... They really started feeling bad for the sin, the sexual immorality that was in the church, the brokenness within the families, the way they worshiped and how selfish they were in the body of Christ, how they would eat before others instead of preferring other people. The very things that we're talking about in this house, the Corinthian church was going through. And Paul would corrected them with the first letter. And this is his second letter. And he said, for you became sorrowful. But he apologized. Before that, he says, I'm sorry that I hurt you, but now I'm not sorry, because I see that that what I did caused you pain. What you did, what I did caused you to th- think. It, 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 it woke you up. And he says, for, for you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done in your own life and in the church life. sorrow break our hearts oh God God I pray today in this house you would create a in our own God that you begin to prick the hardness of our hearts Father there's dysfunction in our houses that you're not going to tolerate God I ask that you would begin to convict us so that godly sorrow can be produced in us. Because here's the good news. This progression that Paul talks about here, he talks about godly sorrow, is step one. Then he talks about repentance is step two. And then he says, salvation will come. That word there, salvation, is not the verb sozo for salvation, but it's the noun for salvation. And it literally means you will be delivered. You will be delivered if you take this passage and you allow godly sorrow to produce in your heart where you grieve and have pain and have regret for the dysfunction in your family. As I've went down through all the seven or ten ten things that we healthy families do. If you allow godly sorrow to come and you will then repent. Repent means to turn from, to change your heart, to literally change, to turn from the dysfunction. God says, I'll deliver you. God says, I will deliver you. There is a grace from my hand that will come and I will deliver you. If you allow godly sorrow, if you allow repentance to come, I will deliver you. So when you cooperate with God, and allow the pain of godly sorrow to hit you and you cooperate with the grace of God, that godly sorrow will lead you to true repentance that wants to clear itself. It wants to bring justice. It is like, no, I'm not sorry. I smack my hands. Oh, God, forgive me. God says, I'll deliver you. I will deliver you. I will deliver you. There are chains that are going to be broken today. There's things like emotional healing and deliverance you need to go through. We have an amazing emotional healing team. There's discipleship relationships that you need to go through to help you get where God wants you to go. There's marriage counseling. There's financial counseling. There's going deeper in relationships through our connect groups. You've got to get there. But it starts with godly sorrow. And it starts with repentance. And so we're going to do some of that today. But before we do that, I wanted Brian and Sarah to share a little bit of their testimony. I praise God for them. They recently went and did a week worth of RTF for, their, for their, their, themselves. And it brought great freedom and great breakthrough. If you don't mind, Karen, give them the microphone. You guys, Brian and Sarah, you'll come up. I'm going to lead us through a time of repentance because healthy families, they get help for their dysfunction. Please keep that music on. Keep that music on. I I want you guys, this is all part of our brokenness. This is all part of our repenting. But Brian and Sarah, I want you guys just to share with us how God broke you. And what he did in you guys to get the help that you needed to get. To get the freedom that you guys have experienced here recently. (coughs) Yes, you are.
1: That Tom and Eric were like, you know, what's wrong? What's going on? Nothing. I'm fine. I'm good. I got lots going on, but it's fine. It'll be okay. I like I stuff. So our RTF first called a stuffer called me a stuffer. Um, I do really really good at that. And so um, through all that, we went to RTF, and um, I was not a huge proponent of RTF because I had done issue focus all support sozo all the way i love sozo we went through we got lots of healing through sozo but i just really didn't want to go besides the fact i did not want to list out all of my issues <laughs> i didn't want to share my junk and be vulnerable with anyone like eric said um so um i guess um there's so many things so many Um Tom can attest to that. <laughs> Anytime he comes to hug me, I just feel like oh. <laughs> I literally felt like I had razor blades going through my skin when people would touch me. Um and it was hard, and my kids were like that. And I look back and I'm like, you know, I was great when they were babies, um, because I didn't have to reciprocate it. I didn't want the touch. Te- I'll give you the touch, but don't touch me. Um ended up through Sozo. I had No idea, or not so, the RTF, sorry. Um, I had been touched inappropriately when I was little. And um, through that, I just decided nope, just don't do it to me. Thing is, I love you, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna <laughs> 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 and I didn't <laughs> Um But since I've been home, I want that touch. I want them to come to me. Um, I've even reached out and a little bit. But um, yeah, so um, the whole trust cycle, I can see it working in my kids, where you know, I I didn't provide there's a
0: little bit of and so that will have to be fixed. Uh, but we're working on it. So. I'm working on it. Did you hear that? Yeah that's good. Um
2: <laughs> uh, so for me, uh I mean, I was I was get to work together for this reason. associate things to words, so dysfunction to me means big problems. I think dysfunction Well my beating my children again. That's that's how Brian Hughes this stuff, right? Um, and so a lot of times I get myself caught in what I think is true, the meanings I have associated to words, right? And based on past experiences, what these words now mean to me. So you sit in this room, you hear all this dysfunction stuff, right? Here's the categories you're in, because guess what? I was just there a couple weeks ago as you talked about these things, right? Here's the categories I'm in. One, I don't feel anything, not any problems. Two, it's 1224. I don't really have problems. Three, the pain's not bad enough yet for me to do anything. Mm. So, right? And four, I don't know what. you think you don't have problems, <laughs> you do. And this is why I say this. Right? <laughs> so again, I uh, RTF, went back, and well, I think what I, I literally did not remember this until Wednesday of last week. Two weeks ago now. I actually was touched inappropriately twice by my babysitter's son and a different babysitter's daughter. Didn't realize that. God showed me that at that moment in time, I'm guessing it was before fourth grade, so it's seven, eight, nine issues. He showed me that that's where the devil same thing you guys have all done, generally, I mean, ages, but you get my point. So, when he talks about these various things, and if you don't have anything, the Lord showed me. <laughs> Brian, why don't you live in a perfect world? You know told me? From living in that perfect world. That would be part of your dysfunction. That thing you believe is not true. That's part of the stuff you got it with. Right? So you're searching for that thing, if you're looking for that. Not be up here when he does the, I'll call alter color or respond thing, I would not come up. I wouldn't be up here. I'm just telling you. So in two weeks' time, that's what I learned from the Lord. And again, through RTF, all sorts of tools, but that's how serious this is, and you can't always believe what you think you know. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Amen. Amen. I it around, keeps reinforcing that fact. Hey, just because you think it's true doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> so marvelous
0: and miserable for how uh, much longer it takes so. amen thank you guys amen thank you thank you